It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 320 of Locked On Raptors for Monday? Yeah, it's Monday. I forget all the days at this point. Monday, April 23rd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. The show is on Twitter as well at LockedOnRaptors, where, of course, you can find links to every single episode. Uh, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network as well. Team Focus shows for all 30 NBA teams. Uh, Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd if you're doing daily fantasy during the playoffs. you got Locked On NBA daily across the entire week from all the, a bunch of the different hosts from around the network as well. Uh, chipping in there, and you can find those all together in the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. Please, if you can uh, subscribe, rate, review Locked On Raptors on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all those places. It's very helpful. makes us more popular. Uh, and uh, it feels pretty good for my ego as well to see nice reviews on there. So please do that. And uh, thanks in advance for taking the time. All right, on today's show, we're going to dive into Game 4. The Raptors lost 106-98 to the Wizards. It was bad. It was dumb. And to join me to talk about the bad and dumb game from The Score and the Pound the Rock podcast, which is blowing up all over the internet, it's our pal Joel Wolfon. How's it going, buddy? Uh, it's going all right, man. I'm, you know, uh, mired in a little more Raptors-related angst than I would like. <laughs> but uh, otherwise, otherwise, things are fine. It would not be April if we did not have ulcers uh, relating to the Raptors in, at this point in the season. So uh, it's actually kind of comforting to be at this point again. Joe, the culture reset has failed. Uh, it's over. DeMar DeRozan is bad again. The Raptors yep. are frauds who can't do it in the playoffs. Uh, and this all came out of 12 minutes of really bad basketball. I guess 24 minutes of really bad basketball in game uh, four against the Wizards. This game was bad the entire time. Even though the Raptors are winning in the first half, I still hated every second of it. It just felt like they weren't playing well. They were getting a lot of nice whistles. The refs in this game were uh, bad all around, I think you could easily say, calling literally everything, and it kind of made it a very sort of stop-and-start game to watch. And then the Raptors pissed it away in the fourth quarter, and uh, there's lots of things we can get to from that. Uh, I guess let's start general. We can go specific. What was your biggest sort of gripe with how the fourth quarter ended for the Raptors? Um, I think just the the general stagnancy of the offense. I think that's yeah. a pretty obvious one, but <laughs> um, it, it was it was pretty disappointing just because. Uh, we didn't really get a chance to see it in that game three loss because it was kind of ugly all around and it was a blow up by the end. Mm-hmm. But um, in that game one, when things got tight down the stretch, I think that it was really heartening to see them stick to their you know newfound offensive principles mm-hmm. and ride that out to a victory, a much needed victory. And so it was pretty disappointing to see them in this game kind of backslide and uh, revert to a little bit more of that ISO ball where a lot of guys were standing around watching. And um, DeMar and Kyle kind of felt like the impetus was on them to do it themselves. And I think 
that doesn't just fall on them. I think that falls on everybody. Uh, the, like the rest of the guys were not stepping up, plain and simple. And um, there's like a chicken and the egg thing there. I think where yeah. um, you know, like is is Demar taking over these possessions because he recognizes that uh, everybody else is a little bit spooked, and that Delon is passing up threes and Serge is you know letting passes slide through his fingers and CJ is clanking threes like and from there he decides that it's going to have to be him uh, that wins or loses them the game or are guys standing around and watching because it's gotten to a point where they just expect that any kind of off-ball cut that they can that they make is going to go unrewarded you know I think both of those things are valid in their own ways but uh, the bottom line is I felt like uh, there wasn't a lot of trust in the system down the stretch of that game and uh, it was a really winnable game, so it was pretty disappointing to see them let it go. Yeah. Um, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's it. I, I, I don't know if you had any other thoughts on that. Yeah, but. no, I'm with you, man. It was, again, very winnable. I thought the Wizards were not particularly inspiring in this game, so I guess if there's something that you want to be encouraged by, it's that the Wizards were also kind of bad. They were just less bad at the end and kind of took advantage of the spots in which the Raptors were bad because... I thought the Raptors' defense was mostly fine. Like, they're, I mean, the first half, they held them like a 57 offensive rating in half-court situations, which is excellent. It was just the dumb turnovers that kind of led to John Wall doing John Wall things and running out and, you know, either just getting to the rim himself or, or setting guys up for threes. And that was kind of in the fourth quarter as well. Most of the Wizards' buckets came off of dumb plays from the Raptors that just went quickly back the other way. Um, like the Raptors, I think, kind of stuck with their defensive, you know, strategy of saying, "All right, Wizards, like take all the mid-range shots you want. We're we're fine with that." And it really worked in the first half, and it just didn't quite work in the second half. And it was kind of uplifted by the the transition opportunities they got into the dumb turnovers. But to go back to the trust thing, which was like the big word aside from culture reset, it was the biggest word kind of floating around the Raptors in the summer in sort of the relationship and the bridge between the stars and, and the secondary guys. And like Damari Carroll talked about this on his way out. And th- so my, my the reason I have like sort of some optimism going forward is that like I think 82 games of a full season should sort of reestablish the trust with Damar and Kyle and the, and the rest of the team going forward. Like I think in this game though, I think it's totally understandable that Damar kind of felt like he had to do it himself because there was just nothing from the other guys. CJ Miles had three turnovers. I think he might have touched the ball five times. Um, yeah. Like, there was one play in the fourth quarter. It was one of the very few plays that Kyle Lowry actually initiated, which we can get to as well. Um, he initiated it. The Wizards trapped. Demar swung it over to. Uh, sorry, Kyle swung it over to Demar. Uh, Demar got stopped trying to make a drive, and he sort of kicked it back to Surge at the top of the, the nail. And then wide open Kyle Lowry with two guys converging on Surge, and Surge just completely throws a pass into Kelly Oubre's hand. I think it was Kelly Oubre, and there was just it would have been a wide open three for Kyle, except for the dumb pass by Surge, and it all kind of falls apart there. And I just felt like there were a lot of instances in this game where the supporting cash just kind of dented the trust, right? Like there was the Pascal Siakam weird push shot that he hit 70% of the time in the regular season that he just completely like almost airballed from four feet out that was super bizarre. There was Yak making a couple interesting plays on the roll. He, he got kind of bailed out one time by DeLon Cut where he hit him baseline for a nice layup. But there was another one where it was like a pick and roll. Uh, Kyle hits hit Pirtle, and then Pirtle just like went for this like very out of control layup that had no chance of going in, just kind of like ricocheted off the top of the backboard and back the other way. Um, and I just think there were a lot of instances in which the supporting cast kind of betrayed the trust of Kyle and Demar almost. I mean, you had 
the surge bobbling the really bad pass from DeMar in the corner, that was kind of shared fault, I think, in that one, on that transition opportunity, I think, in the third quarter. And then there was DeLon passing up open threes, which he hasn't done so far this series. Like, there were a lot of reasons, I think, that DeMar and Kyle might have gotten tunnel vision. And it was mostly DeMar. Like, we should probably get to this. Like, DeMar ran pretty much every possession down the stretch. Kyle barely touched the ball. He had, like, 19 points with 10 and a half minutes left in the game and finished with 19 points. Um, and the offense really very much resembled what they've done in the past, where they just have someone comes at a high screen. It was Jakob Pertl for most of this uh, instance. He, I think he played the entire fourth quarter, which was another problem. Um, he wasn't really screening particularly well. John Wall was recovering nicely or not even getting phased by the screens at all. And DeMar was just kind of trying to get that head of steam that we've talked about for the last four years that he likes to do going around screens. And it just didn't produce enough offense for the Raptors to survive. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, what did you think of the sort of DeMar-Kyle balance late in this game? Like, would you have liked to see Kyle dictate the terms a little bit more often than he was given the opportunity to? Yeah, I would have, but honestly, like, it kind of just goes back to what you were saying. I thought, like, early in the fourth quarter, Kyle was running the offense, DeMar was on the bench. Yeah. And it was going okay, but it, it, it wasn't going that well. Um, and, like, the game turned when the Wizards basically, um started hitting shots and started like getting points on their runouts. Yeah. But um like Kyle like there were a couple times when he like he hit Pirtle on the short roll. He hit Surge on the short roll. Surge like missed Delon wide open in the corner. Yeah. Um and, and Pirtle a couple times was just like not even really looking to go to the basket. He would just like kinda of pull the ball back out. One time that actually led to like a nice Delon cut on the baseline in the basket, but um for the most part, uh like it wasn't going that much better when Kyle was running the offense. I think kind of what happened, I guess, was uh, I guess for, for DeMar at the end of the game, like you saw a couple times when DeLon was just like so hesitant to shoot. Serge also passed up a pretty open look at a three mm-hmm. on one possession. And first of all, like the, like the Raptors shot 18 threes in this game, which is their, their lowest attempt total by far this season. They yeah. hadn't shot fewer than 21 in any game. And part of the reason for that, I think, was that, like at the end of the game, um, Demar was getting converged on when he was driving the ball, and he wasn't kicking it out. Like that's, I think, where they where, where the Raps managed to generate the majority of the three point looks is on driving kicks, mm-hmm. and and the fact that he he was kind of like going there either looking to score or looking to draw a foul, which he wasn't getting a whistle late in the game, and probably had a couple opportunities to kick the ball out and like start a couple swing sequences that got them the threes that they weren't getting because the Wizards were switching and instead of trapping. Um, and that just didn't happen. Uh, so it, it's really hard to say, honestly, if it would have gone any better if Kyle had like had the reins a little bit more because uh, it's just different. Like he, he wasn't getting that kind of dribble penetration. I feel like that they needed in order to, uh, in order to start those sequences on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, but DeMar just like didn't quite have the vision to, uh, start those sequences off of the per- like the, the penetration that he was generating. So uh, I don't know. I guess it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. But at the end of the day, Demar had a forty six point four percent usage rate, which is his 
his highest usage rate in any game this season. Um, and if you look at kind of like the formula that the Raps have had for success this season, like four of DeMar's high, five highest usage games this season were losses. Mm-hmm. And four of the Raptors' five lowest three-point attempt games this season were also losses. And I think those two things are kind of related because, you know, if DeMar's using a lot of possessions, that tends to mean that uh, the Raptors aren't getting a lot of three-point shots up. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Did, like, did, did you feel like... I, I mean, I guess Kyle was marginalized a bit, but there were also a couple times when it was like he, he had Gortat switched onto him, he had Marquise Morris switched onto him, yeah. and he couldn't beat those guys off the dribble. So, Yeah, he had the one in the third quarter where he got Marquise on him, and then he blew by him and had that nice uh, reverse layup that he got an and one on. And then after that, it was kind of it. Like, he had Gortat. The one, the I think probably the most egregious Lowry possession from the fourth, I think could have, like, there might have been some bad luck there. Like, DeMar, or sorry, Kyle drove on Gortat, then kind of slipped, I don't know, like wet spot on the floor, or just like a random stumble, uh, and they had to kind of reset, and then there was just not enough time for them to really sort of initiate anything else. So we put up the three over Gortat, which like, not not the best shot by any means, but also like, I'm okay with Kyle taking a three in that situation at the end of the clock. Like, that's the guy you want with the ball in his hands, I suppose. But yeah, they, they weren't doing a good enough job attacking the switches, and honestly... I feel like we have to kind of credit the Wizards' defense because they have definitely sort of, A, changed things up, and B, just, like, played better defense and, and tried harder in the last two games as opposed to the first two games where both their scheme and effort were, were kind of non-existent or, or flawed. Um, and so, like, I think in the fourth quarter in particular, because everything was just, like, purdle high screen and roll, they weren't really switching all that much. It was just Wall fighting through the screens or just like not being touched by the screens at all and, and sticking in front of DeMar and, and Gortat not having really to do that much work in, in the recovery aspect of things there and just able to sort of get, get back to the rim and be there to sort of defend DeMar. And like, I think another thing too is the Raptors have been very happy to go to the rim these last couple games. And I think the Wizards are just doing a better job of defending at the rim, which I'm not sure you can pencil in for them to do over the course of a full series because they were a pretty bad rim protection team all season, even with Gortat in there. They don't have much shot blocking, but they did a really good job of contesting everything. And yes, they picked up a million fouls on DeMar, but there were also a lot of really tough contested baskets or, or, or shots around the rim that, you know, either DeMar makes all the time, DeLon had a couple that were really contested. Like the Wizards are just playing better defense and I think they've kind of morphed their, their style a little bit to try to deter the Raptors from from getting up a bunch of threes and like they're not really trapping DeMar anymore although they are trapping Kyle a little bit which is another thing I th- that kind of goes into my thinking that maybe they should just have Kyle create a little bit more and just have the ball in his hands to start possessions more often because they are trapping him still and if they're going to do that that creates those four on three situations that the Raptors have exploited so well this year and in this series in games one and two um, so that would be interesting because they're just not trapping DeMar at all. I think they're happy to let DeMar try to do what he did in game two to them, go where he took 24 shots. He was 13 to 24 or whatever it was, 14 to 23, um, and, and was incredible in that game. And I think they're just going to kind of try to live with that. And I don't know, is there something that the Wizards have done defensively that you think is kind of, you know, it kind of forced the Raptors to sort of put up less threes and, and sort of, you know, goading the Raptors into having DeMar and Kyle do more? Um, and if so, is there something you think the Raptors can do to counter that? Um, I mean, I, I don't know if, the, if there's much more to it than the fact that they're like doing a better job of closing out on shooters and the fact that they're like just not trapping those pick and rolls as much um, has like created far fewer opportunities for the Raptors to kind of um, like get the ball moving out of those traps and mm-hmm. then eventually find somebody open in the corner. 
Um, I think it's a combination of those two things. And honestly, yeah, like the Wizards have played way better. Uh, I think that is something that gets lost in our analysis of these games because obviously, you know, we watch it uh, with Raptors colored glasses and like, <laughs> um, uh, like it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, for one thing, they started hitting a ton of shots in the second half that they weren't hitting in the first half. And that mm-hmm. was also, I think, what just changed the momentum of the game a lot. And I would love to be able to say, like, that's just one of those things and shit happens. Uh, and I think, you know, for a lot of other teams, or if, if the Raptors' playoff history wasn't what it is, uh, we would probably be able to say that. But the Raptors' playoff history is what it is. So it becomes harder to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt and say, this is just one of those things. And it'll turn around because we've just seen this movie, I think, one too many times before <laughs> to have faith that, that it's going to change. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, offensively, I, I just think, um, like, they just need to have a, a little bit more off-ball movement, I think, and yeah. set more, like, off-ball screens and have more cuts. And I think OG being limited in the second half had a lot to do with that. Like, he has been one of their most active cutters in this series. And, like, um, just finding space, especially along the baseline, um, that, uh, like, you know, able to take advantage of, like, the Wizards' inattentiveness or um, anytime they're loading up on Kyle, basically, like, he's been able to find space. And he, I, I thought he was, like, noticeably limited when he came back into the game, mm-hmm. and that had an impact on both ends of the floor. Yeah, um, if OG's not uh, 100%, that's going to be tough. <laughs> Especially yeah. down Fred also. I mean, that's, that's tricky. Yeah, and, and being down Fred, I mean... <sighs> I just feel like the Kyle, uh, sorry, not the Kyle and bench units, like the DeMar and bench units have been really not good. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the whole series. Um, and, uh, yeah, th- there's just not really enough spacing there. Um, and then defensively, you have, like, Kyle and CJ playing alongside each other. So it kind of doesn't really work at either end. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know it would be tough to break that up just because of, like, the very familiar substitution patterns that the Raptors have and how, you know, they, they now have staggered it so that Lowry is able to come in and play the whole full fourth quarter. Like he'll be at, you know, 27 or 28 minutes coming into the fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not able to do that if they don't have those, you know, they're not staggering those minutes so that DeMar is playing with the bench. But I wonder if they can, if they can figure out a way around that because it just hasn't, uh, it hasn't looked great. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, definitely not. Um, If OG's... I mean, Dwayne said after the game that he thinks he's going to be fine, but they've also said that Fred's going to be fine for the last two weeks, so I don't know what to expect there. Um, like, I guess it's just Norm. Like, it's Norm's time. Game 5 playoff, pivotal playoff Game 5 Norm, I guess we're going to see. Is that like the um, – he, he didn't play last night. The Raptors went to strict nine-man rotation last night for the uh-huh. first time, and it was kind of weird. Uh, but also I didn't totally disagree with it because Kyle on the bench has been very good. Uh, it was like, it was their best lineup last night by far. But is there like with Norm? If Norm was to be the starting three, how concerned are you about the Raptors' viability in this series and their likelihood of winning Game Five? Um, 
I wouldn't feel great about it. <laughs> I think he's looked all kinds of awful uh, pretty much any time he's stepped on the floor in the series. And maybe part of that is just he hasn't had a chance to build up any kind of a rhythm. But the, the dude got stripped at the three-point line by Jan Mahimi. Like, that's... I don't I don't know what else to say. He he just hasn't had it. Um, and I think he's still pretty up inside his own head. Yeah. And um, he, he just hasn't had that same sort of like assertiveness or decision-making that, that made him such a devastating attacker off of the catch in postseason's past. So, and then like, like his defense on Beal kind of was supposed to be the thing that made him playable in this series, and we, it's not like we had a, a large sample to work with, but um, it, he hasn't been a game-changer at the defensive end either, so mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of value he's giving you um, that, that's going to allow the Raptors to, you know, assuming that OG is compromised, um, I, I don't know how you replace the production that he's been giving them in this series, because I think he's probably been their third-best player, honestly. Yeah, he's been excellent. Um, I think, yeah, it, to take away OG, that eliminates your best lineup in the series so far. Your second best, if you want to call Lowry and the bench the best. Um, like, to take away one of those staple lineups that's played so many minutes for you would uh, would be a significant blow, considering the Powell with the starters lineup has been a disaster all season long from the jump. Um, yeah, it's maybe you throw Miles in there as a starter and sort of just try to outscore the opponent I suppose but uh, I don't like the idea of that defensively it's it's tough when you're down if, if you're going to be down Fred and OG which we don't know OG's not going to play we don't even know Fred's not going to play the next game although the reports don't seem all that encouraging and there's like a risk of re-injury for six weeks or something like that with Fred which is uh, terrifying and not good but um, yeah I still maintain some confidence I guess that they can kind of Scrap, like put together enough lineups that would work, but yeah, OG's been a very nice piece of glue to kind of put in all these lineups and, and make them effective. So that would suck a lot. Are these like because they're two two and because they've had a couple rough games and they reverted a little bit in game two? Like, is this series already like a failure to you? Cause I don't think it is. First, let me put it out there. I right. don't think it is. I don't think one game is like. I don't think it matters all that much. But I do feel like there is some sentiment out there right now. Like, oh. They didn't breeze through this series, therefore they're a failure, therefore they're going to lose in the second round, blah, 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 blah. I kind of just think that's dumb. Like, to use 24 minutes of bad basketball to sort of make grand statements about a team that's played 82 games with this new style and that looked great for the first two games of the playoffs, which they've never done before, um, I think that would be very stupid and short-sighted, but people are going to overreact in the playoffs, and that's just kind of the nature of the beast. Um, but like, it's not like a failure to you that they are having a closer than expected series with the Wizards, right? Like, if, as long as they win the series, like, it's not some like grand indictment of the whole operation. No, I think yeah. If you win the series, then it's hard to call it a failure. I think Game Four on its own was definitely an abject failure, yeah. but I I think that's going to happen. And again, like the Wizards are not a bad team. Um, they had a bad season, and they at times play very badly. Yeah. Um, but they are a really talented team that. Uh, I think, you know, it is it, just a lot of the times less than the sum of its parts. And the Raptors are a team that is, I think, greater than the sum of its parts most of the time. Mm-hmm. And I think what what people are reacting to when, they, you know, they, they have these sort of uh, reactionary emotional takes to results like this is 
the fact that it seemed like this year, like like the dream about, about this year's Raptors was that they could kind of overcome this deficit of elite talent mm-hmm. by employing the system that allowed them to basically um, beat teams that had more, more talent than them just through like trust and smart play um, and a system that they all sort of bought into and were able to rely on and uh, kind of nailed down to an art over the course of the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, and so seeing that not succeed in the playoffs, even if it's just for a couple of games, is like, I think, understandably putting a scare into a lot of people because at the end of the day, like the Raptors don't have elite talent to fall back on. Like it's not, if you're if you're a Cleveland Cavaliers fan and you have LeBron James on your team, like it's easier to feel comfortable when you're tied 2-2 in a series because you yeah. can feel confident that LeBron is going to pull you through. And not that, you know, Kyle and DeMar can't pull the Raptors through, but at the end of the day, that's not why they've been so successful this season. And that's not, I don't think, what's going to ultimately bring them the kind of success that Raptors fans grew to expect when the team, you know, was the best team in the Eastern Conference for the entire season. Um, I think the expectation for a lot of people has and in a lot of ways should be that the team is going to win the Eastern Conference and uh, in order to do that like you know you you have to I think just kind of rely on what's gotten you to this point and I don't think that necessarily means that they were going to breeze past the Wizards Uh, I just think the feeling is like they really had an opportunity here to go home up 3-1 and to get out of it in five games and actually like have a chance to breathe and get a rest before the next round for once. Um, So it's not a failure, but it's still really disappointing that that's not going to happen. And then it's like, it looks like it's going to be another tough six or seven game series. um, Despite uh, this being like, I think like the most lopsided series in terms of net rating, uh, out of all the first round series, um, yeah. So I think, like, the expectation is understandable. I don't know if it necessarily was realistic again because the Wizards do have a lot of talent. Um, but uh, I understand why you know people might feel that way just because it felt like there was there was this promise that that this year was going to be different. Uh, that they had figured something out that was going to um, kind of change the way these postseason runs went. And that might still happen again. Like I think it's really important to keep that in mind mm-hmm. and keep everything in perspective. But um, right now, it feels awfully familiar, you know, to be to be tied two two and going back home for this must win game five. It's going to be, I, I think, you know, a lot more anxiety filled than people were hoping it would be. Yeah, no, that's that's totally fair. And I, like game, that was a bad loss. Like that, any way you look at it, it was a bad loss. They should not have lost that game. Bradley Beal fouls out with whatever it was, like almost six minutes left. Like you shouldn't lose that game in that situation. And they kind of let it get away from them with dumb turnovers and just silly, simplistic offense that really seemed like they were doing the same thing every time down. And that's something I think that has been sort of a bugaboo in the past and was a nice thing this season where it was just kind of, it was so varied their attack this year that like it was pretty jarring to see them just run the same play over and over and over again into the ground. But at the same time, like, I think the realistic argument you made, like, I think that has to be, like, kept in mind here. Like, it, 
as much it'd be, as it'd be nice for the Raptors to sweep the first round, like, I don't think that was ever going to be a thing. Like, the Wizards are very good, and, like, they have a lot of talent, and when it all comes together, they're, they're a dangerous team, and I think everyone knew that coming in. That's why everyone coming into the series was like, oh, no, the Wizards are the least, like, the least desirable matchup of the three that were potential first-round matchups. Like, that, we don't want to play the Wizards. They're good. And I don't think you can say that and be all paranoid about the Wizards and then be all disappointed when they show some fight and show that they're actually, in fact, a good team in the playoff series that at hand. So I think, honestly, we should probably do away with the whole idea of like just breezing through the first round is the only way to be successful in the first round because as we've seen in this first round across the NBA, it's really hard. NBA teams are good. They're well-coached, maybe more well-coached than they ever have been before. And like sweeping a team is not easy. And just like rolling over a team is not easy. There's pride involved, especially with the goddamn Wizards. I mean, God, like they're the proudest team ever. Um, and like I don't think they were ever going to just lay down and let someone walk over them. But yeah, I think as long as they win the series and sort of get through, like I think it justifies everything. I think having two games at the start of the series where, you know, you look at the Bucks series last year, there was like maybe one game where everything worked perfectly and sort of was to people's liking in terms of being like a satisfying victory. All the other wins were kind of grimy um, or down to the wire. And, you know, they gave up that big run in game six against the Bucks. Like, None of these series over the past few years have had two games in which they looked amazing, and they have that already. Um, so I, I still think they're, they're fa- they should be favored in the series. Kevin Pelton tweeted that number out last night that 79% of teams who have home court going back for a game five tied 2 2, they're, they're going to win the series. Like, obviously, that is you know hard to rely on when it's the Raptors. And yeah, as you mentioned, there's a lot of baggage with Raptors fans, but I think there's still lots of reasons to be optimistic. And I think, honestly, the biggest one for me is. Like, I can kind of, I believe that Game 4 will be sort of a self-contained sort of nugget where they, they've they kind of lost their trust, they lost their, their style, they lost sort of what made their identity in the regular season. Like, I think over the course of the season, we've seen games where the secondary guys, you know, performed poorly and, and didn't play well or missed shots or made dumb decisions, and it always seems to kind of come right back, and I think... The quotes after the game last night from Demar and Kyle and Dwayne, like I think they realized they got away from what made them, you know, good in the regular season in Game Four, and I think that the difference between that and years past would be like they were just like, no, 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 we're just gonna keep doing the same thing. We're gonna ride with our guys until uh, we have nothing left and empty the clip, as you mentioned in your piece today for the score, which was very good by the way. People should read. Um, but yeah, I think they recognize that they kind of aired a little bit away from what they typically like to do, and I, I think. You know, instead of just like doing the same thing and being insane and trying over and over again to make it work with an offensive style that was flawed, I think they are going to be very concerted in trying to get back to what made them good in the regular season. But hey, I'm also the optimistic guy who is always saying it's fine. So maybe I'm uh, <laughs> I'm a little too pie in the sky with this. Um, I don't know. Anything else we should hit on before we wrap this thing up, Joe? Is there any other uh, things that are making your blood boil from that game? Um, not really. I mean. <sighs> I think like the the thing with Gortat screams is just like always gonna be a thing. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's annoying. He's really good at it, um, and he gets away with a lot of uh, illegal contact on those screens that makes like the the, the two man actions that the Wizards like to run really difficult. Um, and you know when they really got going in that third quarter, they scored forty points, and a ton of them were off of Bradley Beal threes. But yeah. he was he was getting open off Gortat screens, and OG was getting hung up on a ton of screens. I think part of that was the fact that maybe he wasn't one hundred percent because of that ankle. That's been a thing the whole um, series, though. I mean, he's been getting killed yeah. by Gortat screens. Yeah, and I don't I don't know what you do about that. I wonder, like, I, 
think with the I, I don't know. They like they, they they might need to find a way to alter like the way that they're guarding the pick and rolls with Beal and Gortat mm-hmm. because I think someone's got to step up. Uh, like if OG is not going to be able to get through those screens, um, uh, like Jonas, I don't think can be like hanging back in the paint because Beal is going to be able to pull up and and he's shown that obviously he can knock those down. And there were some backbreakers in that game where he just had way way too much space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, in large part, that was why Jonas ended up out of the game, uh, which was kind of strange that he didn't come back when Beal fouled out. I felt like that was maybe, like, an opportunity to get Jonas back in the game. Yeah. Um, and maybe get, like, a better screen setter there at the offensive end and not worry about giving too much of it back, um, because Wall obviously isn't as much of a threat to pull up from deep. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was just something. And also, Gortat's, like, really good at, um, kind of turning around and screening his own man. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a couple times when he just, like, wiped Pirtle completely out of the play um, and gave Wall, like, a clear lane to the basket. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you necessarily do about that, uh, but I wonder if, if we might see them alter uh, the scheme, uh, just, like, specifically guarding, like, the Beal Gortat pick and rolls. Yeah, I wonder, maybe this kind of ties into it. My big question going forward is, like, it's kind of been varied a little bit. I mean, it's been Ibaka one game. I think Jonas might have closed at some point early in the series. I can't really remember at this point. But, like, who do you think should be, assuming that Gortat's playing, because he stopped being a pumpkin after game two, and he's actually playing well, and the Wizards are going back to the thing where they almost always have a traditional center on the court. Um, like, what do you think is the best way to sort of go about playing crunch time in the front court? Because... I kind of want to see Surge at the five a little bit because I don't think Gortat is particularly adept at coming out to guard the perimeter. And, like, I think if you give some more space for those drives for DeMar and Kyle, like, I think that could also be kind of useful. At the same time, I kind of understand the hive and, like, being upset that Jonas wasn't playing yesterday. And I, and I can kind of see why, you know, especially if you're going to be running an offense that is entirely based on high pick and roll, like, the dude who can actually screen people and, and do it effectively, not to knock Pirtle, but Pirtle was screening terribly yesterday in game four. Like, just not doing anything to affect John Wall like if you have Jonas out there maybe that sort of makes that approach a little bit easier but then of course maybe you're falling back maybe in more into the you know the predictable offense type of thing I don't know it's just I it's not an easy answer but I feel like there are some things the Raptors can do I, I honestly I think I would go surge at the five and then if OG is healthy I'd love to see OG play the four with like Miles, DeMar, Lowry something like that as like a closing five um, we saw the lineup with DeLon early in the series. That kind of blew Game 2 open, if I'm not mistaken, um, which was the same lineup with DeLon instead of OG that I just laid out there. I mean, they have options. This is the nice thing about the roster. There's a million options. I think it's just a matter of trying to find the right one. Um, but what are you kind of leaning towards right now? I, I love the idea of, like, Surge at the 5 and OG at the 4. Yeah. Um, and and I, I do think, like, you probably give something up on the glass, but I feel like that's a worthwhile trade-off. And they're also not a very um, good rebounding team. The Wizards, yeah. even with Gortat in there. Yeah, yeah. so, and, and honestly, like, at the beginning of the season, like, I, I was, you know, I'm on record as saying I feel like the Raps should give more minutes to, like, a, a Pirtle Ibaka front court because, in theory, it seems like it should work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's bad. Ibaka who, who can space the floor, and then defensively, both those guys can switch. Um, and you know you have Pirtle who can be a dive man um, while Serge pops to the three point line like 
for for whatever reason, it just does not work. And like mm-hmm. having those two guys on the floor together has been disastrous pretty much all season long. And so I think you know they can't really go back to the well on that front after after closing that way in game four and it being you know disastrous once again. Uh, so I think I, I think definitely trying surge at the five is a good idea. Um, and I wouldn't hate closing with Jonas and Ibaka either. I just think, um, I just think they need to figure out a way to like to guard that Beal Gortat pick and roll in a way that's like not going to get Jonas played off the floor. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what that is. Like if if Jonas is just like going to start showing a little bit higher, um, or um, I don't know, or Geyser is going to you know. Be, like, make more of a concerted effort to get over that screen and be able to like affect Beal's shot from behind, force him into the mid range, and like have Jonas step up just like a little bit higher. Um, th- I think there has to be an adjustment there if that's going to work. Uh, mm. But uh, again, like I think probably having Jonas out there uh, to close Game Four would have would have opened things up offensively uh, a little bit. And I, I again, like I. I'm with you. I understand the Hives' frustration on that front because sticking with uh, with Pirtle and Ibaka for as long as they did obviously didn't bear any fruit. Yeah, one thing also that maybe this is like a very playoffy kind of thing you could try to bust out, but um, Markeith Morris has not been particularly good in this series, and no. I don't think he's very good uh, anyway. But he's shooting 25% on threes. Uh, he had a really good game one, but that's about it. Uh, I wonder if maybe you could try Ibaka on Gortat and then do to Markeith Morris what the Raptors did to Jeff Green when they played the Cavs near the end of the season where they just put Jonas on Jeff Green and were like, all right, you're going to beat us, go ahead. That might be the poison that you want to pick. I, I, I wonder if Casey will try to bust that out or maybe Morris is too much of a looming threat and maybe he's just he's too not Jeff Greeny to, to do that too. But I think, I don't know, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think in the playoffs you're playing against good teams and you're always going to have to make a choice yeah. and pick kind of like the lesser of a few evils, right? And I think... Um, I don't think that's a bad one at all, especially like you say, like, Morris hasn't been particularly good. And yeah, like if if you want to stick Ibaka on Gortat and kind of have him there uh, to to show high mm-hmm. um, and and make it difficult for Beal to kind of get into the paint or create separation on his jump shot, then I definitely think that's worth a look. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But yeah. um, I think. Uh, I think they have to try something different than uh, than what they did in Game Four. That's pretty obvious. I also wonder too, like the thing with Jonas at the at center and in that Gortat Beal pick and roll. I mean, yes, Beal is a threat to pull up, but I also think like having Jonas out there kind of while it gives up a lot of mid range shots, and that's kind of been the thing all season. They're happy to give those up. Like I don't know if I hate that against the Wizards because they like that that is still kind of a poison that you're okay picking, I think, with the Wizards. Like we saw it in the first half yesterday. Like the Wizards are gonna go hot and cold from there. Obviously if they're they're feeling themselves and they're crazy hot, like that's not what you want to do. But I also don't think it's like the worst idea to just keep playing the same way you have. Hope that maybe OG or I don't know, they haven't had Lowry guard Beal very much the last couple of games. I wonder if they'll try that again, because he did really well, I think, on him. I know the numbers didn't say that he did particularly well in the matchup data, but I think anecdotally it looked like he did a pretty good job on Beal and gave him some trouble and was better at fighting through screens than OG was. So maybe that's how you sort of balance that. I don't know. It's 
there's a lot of things to figure out. Beal is very good, and it's a bummer that yeah. he's kind of figured out to he's kind of like regained some energy after looking dead the first two games. But um, I think honestly, the, the Raptors should be okay giving up mid-range shots to the Wizards, and, and I don't know if they have to totally bend what they do to to prevent them from taking those. But um, yeah, lots of things to consider. But yeah, this series to me. Yeah, to me, honestly, like the, the bottom line is just like they have to make the Wizards play in the half court because yeah. the, their half court offense has not been good. Yeah. And, um, you know, coughing up 18 turnovers is just not going to cut it. Yeah. Um, and p- part of that was the turnovers, but part of it also was like the late game offensive execution that led to just a ton of runouts off of defensive yeah. rebounds. They were running off of every single miss yeah. and scoring almost every time. So um, I think. You know, as long as the offensive ex- execution is better and uh, they're holding onto the basketball, then uh, they will be fine. Because again, like the half court defense has been has been good. So. Yep. Uh, all right, I think that's gonna do it, man. Thanks for uh, coming on for what was longer uh, a longer podcast than I expected, but I feel like we talked it out a little bit. Got some therapy going here. Uh, I'm feeling okay about Game Five, home court. They're like thirty whatever, <laughs> 107 at home. Like they, this should be. Good in Game Five, I would hope. Hopefully, OG's fine. Fred, do some steroids, buddy. Come on back. Uh, have a Jody Meeks milkshake, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, this guy came back from a torn ACL in like two weeks, so yeah, I think, uh, I think he'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, I feel like he'll play probably. Just ice it up real good, please. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this was uh, this was good, man. Thanks for coming on. Where can people find you? Anything you want to plug right now? Uh, yeah, no, I wrote I wrote about Game Four. Um, probably you know a little bit more emotionally than I would have uh, <laughs> with the benefit of like a little bit of distance. Um, and uh, you can read that um, on the score. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, Joey underscore W spelled out phonetically. Um, and uh, I'm always posting my work. So uh, yeah, give me a follow. Uh, more people should be following Joe, by the way. It's ludicrous that Joe does not have more followers than a dumb idiot like me. Um, we also, check out Pound the Rock, your podcast with Will Lou, Joseph Acharo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I should plug that as well. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a very good podcast. You should subscribe, rate, review. You guys owe me a review, by the way. I put one on your page. You owe me one now. Yeah, um, I gave you a rating, but I haven't written a, a review yet. But uh, I'll get right on that. In, I appreciate inex- it. Inexcusable. <laughs> uh, yeah, fair enough. Joe, thanks for so much for coming on. Thanks so much to the listeners for tuning in. We'll be back again probably on Tuesday to uh, tee up the next game and, uh, I don't know, look into this. Uh, I don't know. What, we covered everything here. We'll figure out something to talk about on Tuesday, I'm sure. Maybe we'll talk to a Wizards guy again and kind of get their perspective on things. Um, until then, subscribe, rate, review to the podcast on iTunes. It's, it's very, very uh, useful and helpful and nice and a good way to support the show. A show that is free, by the way. So just do that. Consider that your payment for the show. Uh, and until Tuesday, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time on Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.